welcome to Postcards from Antioch, a podcast from Barton Church. My name is Nicole, I'm going to be hosting today and I'm joined by James, um, who's going to be taking us through the image of God. So what it means to be made in the image of God and um, yeah, how the fall kind of um, impacts that. Is that right, James? That's what we're going to be That's looking right. at? That's yeah, right, close enough. We'll... <laughs> We'll just see where we end up. That's generally what happens when I talk. I start talking Mm. Mm. and we'll see where we end up. We'll go on a little meander around the topic. Yeah, so that's right. So, well, when it comes to talking about what it means to be made in the image of God, it might be a phrase people are aware of. Uh, It's kind of one of those fundamental ideas that comes up in in the Bible that undergirds, underpins a lot of... um, the, the theology of what it means to be human, I guess. So, And it actually comes right at the beginning of the Bible. So I'm going to start by asking Nicole to read from Genesis chapter 1, not the whole yeah. chapter, just Thank goodness. The, verses 26 and 27, please. Okay. Um, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he he created them. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. So the first question is, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And um, Mm -hmm. there's probably been a lot of thoughts about that, certainly over the centuries or the rich theological history here we have, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? So I wonder, Nicole, if if someone asked you, what, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What kind of things would you identify as, as being part of being the image of God in us? Mm, okay. So I guess I'd probably talk about the things that make us different from, like, animals. So the fact that we have yeah rational thoughts um logic i guess emotions as well and our complex emotions our uh, compassion and love and actually yeah i guess maybe the idea of being in community because god is um yeah three persons that actually we're made to be in community with other people um as part of us reflecting that that image yeah that's good. I think all over certainly over history, all of those things have been brought to the to, to the front, mm-hmm. and people uh, probably emphasise or value or think in, in terms of one thing or another, depending on I don't know what's important to us or what stage in history we're at mm-hmm. or whatever. But I want to focus particularly on one of those things, and one of those things you you did mention there, Nicole. So well done. You get a brownie point yes. straight. For uh, what I want to focus on today is the idea that being made in the image of God means that we exist in relationships. You mentioned mm. the idea of being in community. You're absolutely right. Um, the Trinity, one of the things we believe as Christians is that God is three in one and the mm. Trinity is a mystery. And we've probably got, a se- I think we have got a session coming up on, on the Trinity at some point. And what this means about who God is, it means that God in his very nature is relationship. God's existed always in relationship. God has, for, for eternity, been 
in relationship. So if we are made in the image of God, I think it makes sense to think that part of what it means to be human is to be in relationships. Part of what it is to be made in the image of God is to have relationships, and that applies to everyone who ever lived. We exist obviously in relationship with one another, and we exist in relationship with God. And you can't really um, function without either of those. Uh, that's yeah. what can't be human in a sense without having relationships. Uh, and in the, the passage you you read in in the beginning, Genesis. 26, 27, it's interesting that when God talks about making them in our own image, he talks again, what, have you got the verses there? What, uh, just yeah. to repeat mm-hmm. uh, what it says in 26? Um, the letters make mankind in our image, in our likeness, they may rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals. Um, so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he yeah there's there's tons of I think anyway relational language in there when God says let's Mm. let's make them in our own image he then talks about our relationship with creation that we might have dominion with yeah I I forgot to say that in my uh what I think it is but yeah also having authority and like stewardship of the earth Mm. and that's a relationship uh to to and you know that's another mm. topic for another time our relationship with creation and how we should exercise that wisely but it's a relationship and even at the end there male and female he created them that's a relational aspect uh the, you know we're not just uh mankind or humanity we are within that male and female we sort of have a um a relationship mm. with one another uh, so in creation, when God created Adam, um, he gave him several things. When we, we read in, in Genesis, he gave security. Adam's needs were met. Everything he needed was met. He felt significance, really. He knew his place in the world. He had purposes. He was accepted. And all of these things came from the fact that he existed in relationship with God, that he wasn't just... Uh, if you like, another part of creation, like the animals maybe. He had this kind of unique relationship with God, which reflected being made in the image of God. And I think that this idea of being made in the image of God, being to do with relationships, is a really fundamental aspect of what it means to be made in the image of God. It's really important. And as we, we go on through this session I'll hopefully explain why I think this is important and why I think this is one of those fundamental keystones of what it means to be made in the image of God. And and maybe this is a, a really stupid point, really obvious, um, but because God is perfect, like there is no evil in him. His relationships are, I guess, yeah, his relationships are, are perfect, so they are completely good. Yeah. And... And so what we're talking about here is like being in perfect relationship at this stage, like Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. And 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 sort of the perfect and imperfect relationships, we'll, we'll actually talk about we'll have sessions on relationships, how we relate to one another, uh, as we go through through this podcast. But yeah, absolutely. And this relationship that God and Adam had um was certainly uh, worked really well for Adam 
mm. and and for God as well. That uh, as you say, this was a relationship without any any flaws, and Adam had had all everything he needed in this relationship with God. He had, mm. um, and I assume you know this is a big question. God had everything he needed. If you can talk about God having mm-hmm. needs, I remember once hearing a story. Um, uh, about um, uh, Bam was saying his wife teach taught children like you do Nicole in in mm-hmm. kids church or Sunday school and he said that's one of the best ways to uh, learn how theology and to talk le- learn how to t- tackle difficult questions is to talk to children about God and he said one of the children asked his his wife once does God have a body and uh, as a theologian you can probably rush to all kinds of answers about you know the incarnation and or you know as paul says somewhere i think the is it paul god is his spirit or, or something like that and she said the the man said her the answer his wife gave this child was well if god needs a body he has one because god has everyone everything he needs mm-hmm. and i thought actually that's a really good answer Quite especially clever. yeah talking to children so in terms of you know relationship if god ever needs anything from relationships he has it because god has everything he needs so uh uh in terms of his relationship with adam that probably applies there but for adam we're actually told although he's there with this perfect relationship with god where he gets all these things he needs all his needs met uh the bible does actually say there's something not good about this situation in Genesis 2:18 this is the first thing that the bible says is bad in creation the first thing that's not perfect and uh, nicole have you got 2:18 there yeah i do yeah um, yeah the lord god said it is not good for man to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him yeah that's, that's really weird. interesting yeah, yeah. It, it is this idea that in creation this is before the fall before everything went wrong adam and god in this perfect relationship it sounds like you know there's nothing missing there should be nothing Mm. bad it's nothing's bad but god actually says no it's not good for man to be alone it's not good that adam is alone so god is kind of acknowledging that which is really interesting if you think about it and maybe a bit of a mind-blowing concept Mm. that he's saying look it I'm not enough for Adam, just me. There's something missing. Uh, and that's a really interesting thought, isn't it? I can see you pondering that. Yeah, that when... is a, li- a little mind-blowing, especially because when I think of, yeah, the Garden of Eden, obviously pre-fall, it is just, yeah, perfect. Like, there's... Yeah. Like, it's ev- like it's everything. It's it's So to, to actually think about that the words, it was not good... Yeah, written about before the fall is is a bit mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, because all the way up to there, if you read the 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 account of creation in in the early chapters of Genesis, it's this constant refrain of God saw that it was good, mm. or, and God yeah. saw that it was good, and, and then here God says, "Look, there's something that's not good," and it's the fact that Adam is not in a relationship with others like him. This is the thing that is lacking. So we were not just made for relationship with God. We were actually made for relationship with others, with other human beings, with other people. 
So this is kind of one of those things that makes me think that the image of God being this relational thing is so fundamental to what it means to be human. that God himself says, look, this is something that's needed. Even in perf- perfect creation, you still need this. And and this is a conscious choice from God, right? This isn't just God uh, messing up. Oh, no, I've created something. Can't like yeah. give him everything oh. he needs. Um, this is a conscious decision from God to yeah. make us this way. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. That uh, God, uh, God, yes, absolutely. God didn't make a mistake. Oh, no, I, I mixed up the, the ingredients. <laughs> I made a mistake in the recipe. And now I need to correct it by creating someone else. You know, maybe you could argue that. And then he created women, who's mm. the second version, ma'am 2.0, the better yep. version and without mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without the messed up recipe so be, there's an argument for that but <laughs> this this idea that no this is how god intended it to be from the beginning that we were always intended to be in relationships with him and with others mm. and then so he he creates eve this woman uh and Adam and he, Adam no longer just has his relationship with God. He now has a relationship with another human being. And that's really interesting because as, as much as Adam was accepted by God, the, chap, the early chapters of Genesis use this imagery to indicate that Adam and Eve were accepted by each other. One of the things that it says in, in Genesis is they were naked and unashamed. You know, they were not mm. embarrassed. And this is... Uh, you, you know, again, you you work with children and, and some of my children take great delight in these passages <laughs> in the Bible that talk about people being naked. But oh, it's yes. A, it's, it's an image. It's a metaphor uh, of, you know, it's deliberately mentioned to say, look, they didn't hide anything from each other. They They were totally accepted and unashamed and content in their relationship with with one another. There was no need to cover anything up, no need to hide, no need to be embarrassed. There was no danger of being rejected by the other person. They, They were able to be intimate with each other and with God and with each other in the presence of God. And is this just a picture of married couples? Because obviously we are... Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam and Eva married. Yeah, Adam and I guess Eva. If you can call as, it that. Um, yeah, held up as the image, the prototype, or the, the ideal yeah. of a marriage, marital relationship. Mm. Definitely. But I think, um, I don't think it is, you know, an idea of saying, well, if you're not married, tough luck. You know, mm. you, you can't, you can never be fully human. I don't think that's. <laughs> that's good that, to hear. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, Jesus himself mm. n- never experienced marriage and um, Paul never experienced marriage or at least uh, didn't have a wife at the time. He was sort of tramping around mm-hmm. uh, Asia Minor and, and Greece and all those places. Um, and, and then there's this idea that I think what this these this story in Genesis is trying to say is, look, this is the life we were designed for. It doesn't necessarily have to fit this, this idyllic image of, of a marital relationship, but it's the way of saying we were designed to live in a, a relationship. We were designed to live in relationship with God and with other people. You can't, you know, often 
Um, certainly someone like me, an introvert by nature, who finds the idea of maybe being stuck on a desert island quite attractive <laughs> some days. We weren't actually made to live just by ourselves and say, well, you know, all I need is God. And if I've got a relationship with God, I don't need anything else. And God himself actually says, no, that's not good. You weren't made for that. You were made to be in relationship with other people. And I think that's what this is saying. Um, We were made for relationships and we were made not just for relationships, but for, as you kind of said, these perfect relationships where we have this significance and security and acceptance from God, but also from other people in whatever form that takes. As I say, not necessarily a, a partner or a husband, a wife, whatever, but just from people. We were designed to be in this kind of relationship. And this is what it means to be made in the image of God, to live out the image of God, to be relational in a way that there is security and happiness in these relationships. Yeah. And I, and, and I, I was going to say like, not to, hopefully this doesn't derail the conversation too much, but yeah, that's a really interesting idea and something I've thought about quite a lot as a single person. Um, that kind of, um, I, yeah, may not feel like marriage is my, my calling at the moment, but I still crave those intimate relationships. Yeah. And I guess, um, feel that need to yes be accepted to have value and yeah. to build that into friendships um so yeah. yeah I can definitely relate to this not necessarily being a model of just marriage yeah. but actually and, uh, human relationships and I think those those that that way you describe that the way you talk about that that's how we that's not not just normal that's actually how God designed us to be to mm. be with this desire this need for meaningful relationships mm-hmm. but um that's how it was in the creation but obviously we live in a, a different world uh, mm-hmm. we don't live in a world where people walk around naked and unashamed and that's uh you know that kind of thing apart from on those odd nudist beaches yeah so. that's right some, some <laughs> that's, I stumbled on really accidentally on a walk with my brother once and that was really <laughs> just very awkward for yes. everyone yeah it would be very awkward for us mm. particularly I mean obviously being British oh yeah to a whole mm. new level in other parts of the world it's not quite uh, as the same but <laughs> uh yes so something went wrong something happened to change fundamentally change this concept of relationships or how they work or how we view them, both this relationship with God and the relationship we have with others. And this thing is what we call the fall, this this theological concept that everything was perfect and then something happened to change everything. And the Bible sort of says there was a point where everything changed and sin entered the world or became a part of the world in in a way it wasn't before and we call this the fall and in genesis it's this story of adam and eve eating from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil mm. uh, which god had told them not to do and this act of disobedience of being uh tempted by the 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 serpent to to eat the fruit, and they do, and there are consequences to this. Um, so 
what kind of things, uh, not just in terms of relationships, but what kind of things do traditionally we say, well, this is now in the world and it wasn't before because of the fall? What kind of things are the consequences of the fall, Nicole? Can you think of it? I'm assuming you want something more specific than sin. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, illness. Um, yeah, that's right. All of the, yeah, disobedience to, to God. Um, uh, I just, anything bad, really. Um, yeah. War, famine, um corrupt politicians yeah. <laughs> well, like these kind of things that we we don't really particularly like about the world mm. but it's quite interesting i mean yeah this isn't the the we we don't want to get off topic here but <laughs> there are all kinds of questions about exactly what was in the world before like as we we've identified mm. god says look there there's some there was something in there that wasn't good uh mm. until he made until he um created eve and so that's you know that's the kind of question but yeah you're right generally uh as you say sin and then specifically this whole idea of now life is uh our life is not really about our relationship with god anymore or even our relationship with others i mean one of one of the 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 things that traditionally we say we say came into the world with the fall was death Mm, yeah uh death sort of introduced into the world and it's implied that because of the fall now adam and eve will die and uh Mm. that wasn't going to happen before and again there will be some discussion about that with amongst some theologians i'm sure but what's interesting is if that's true that death comes into the world with the sin uh did adam and eve physically die the moment they sinned it's a rhetorical no. question. No, they didn't. Oh, okay. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a trick question. It was, no, Adam and Eve, you know, death may have come into the world with the fall, but Adam and Eve didn't die mm. the moment they they uh, sinned. And actually some of those consequences happen when later, when God comes down and, and pronounces his judgment and he says various things that are going to happen to them, like, you know, life is going to be a lot harder now and they get expelled from the Garden of Eden. Uh, some of those things happen after the judgment, but what were there things that happened the moment they sinned, sort of immediately before God's judgment? Um, um, uh, do, you, do you want specific answers? I'm just trying to remember the, uh, the story. Well, now. I suppose, yeah. Were there immediate consequences to the fall? Uh, yes or no? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm yeah, going to say yes. Probably. And where did those consequences fall? What, so, what things that immediately went wrong? If I'm remembering rightly, they they hide from God. So God comes to see yeah. them, they hide because they're ashamed of their nakedness. Yeah. And I think they also start blaming one another as well. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, where the fall is first felt where the impact of the fall immediately hits is in relationships that's Mm. the first thing that dies and this is one of the reasons why i think this whole idea of relationships being an aspect of being made in the image of god 
is actually a key one is because it's one of the first things to suffer as a result of the fall. Um, That this is kind of how fundamental this idea of relationships is to the idea of being made in the image of God is it's the first thing to die after the fall. Uh, And you've, you've identified um, the ways in which that happened. I mean, the, the first thing is there's this loss of intimacy. So before Adam and Eve are intimate with one another. They're intimate with God. They're not. Uh, they're not um, ashamed about their nakedness or anything like that. But we read that after the fall, even before God comes to them and says, "Look, you've you've disobeyed me. This is the consequences." Even before the judgment, they they hide from him, as you said. Adam and Eve hide from him. It's not just a case that. They've lost intimacy with God. They don't want intimacy with God. They don't want to be with God anymore. This is what the fool does. It's not just like that the relationship is is broken. They don't want their relationship anymore, but they, they no longer, God, their relationship with God is no longer a, uh, a, a thing that gives them security and happiness and safety. They now say, we don't want to see God. We don't, we want to hide from God. Have you got uh, Genesis chapter 3? there uh yes um, i do Genesis three just read verses seven and eight um the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden yeah so there's that kind of image of They've lost this intimacy with God straight away and they don't even want to, to be around him. And as that verse says, it's not just their intimacy with God that they've lost, it's their intimacy. They were they were not ashamed. Yes. They um, were ashamed. They you froze. So I'm not sure whether that recorded. Yes. Um, can I read the verse again? And then, yeah, okay. So we might need a um, bit of editing here, but if it's not edited out, that's fine. This is all perfectly natural. Go on, <laughs> um, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the sound um, in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Yeah, so that, so um, that those verses highlight the fact that they don't want intimacy with God anymore. They want to hide from God, and not just from God, from one another. Before they were uh, unashamed to be around one another and unashamed of their nakedness, and immediately after the fall, they realise they're 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 naked. They're embarrassed, and they they cover themselves up. So they lose intimacy with God, not just intimacy with God, but intimacy with each other. That's gone mm. straight away. Again, even before God has turned up and said, you've done the wrong thing, they, they, they don't want these intimate relationships with God and with one another anymore. And that's the, the first thing, this kind of loss of intimacy in our relationships. But the second thing is that um, relationships become, the relationships we do have, um, become about 
something else instead of relationships being a source of acceptance and security and significance relationships suddenly become something more negative you know if i say do you know has have a relationships with people ever caused you stress before <laughs> no james i've never no. had any stress for no. relationships yeah, we know now. Yeah. The relationships, instead of being this joyful thing where we think, man, you know, I get so much uh, security and acceptance mm. and happiness from these things, suddenly they're, they're stressful. They become these, these burdens. They actually become things we're afraid of or there's a lot of fear in our relationships. It's quite interesting to notice the first emotion adam expresses in the bible right he's got all these wonderful things mm. um before the fall but the first emotion we're told about is genesis three ten. i think if you've got it there if you could read it yeah uh, he answered i heard you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked so i hid. yeah so this it, i think it's interesting that the first kind of moment in the bible where adam expresses an emotion is fear I was afraid. Mm. My, I was a, this relationship I have with you is now a thing of fear, uh, and I think fear is one of the most dominating emotions many of us experience, yeah. particularly in relationships. And it's so powerful as well, isn't it? Absolutely, it really yeah. controls you and limits you and changes yeah. the way you behave. I. Suddenly, relationships become this thing we're afraid of. We're afraid mm. of what people will think of us. We're afraid of where a relationship may go. We're afraid of where it may, uh, what it may cost us. And as you say, fear is a very powerful emotion. It's a very controlling thing. Like if you can make someone afraid of you, you have a lot of power over them mm. because fear is is a controlling very controlling thing but that's not what actually relationships were supposed to be like fear wasn't supposed to be a part of relationships um i mean one of the the most common ex- sort of emotions i've felt in relationships over the year is this fear of what do they think of me oh my god yes. yeah and it, it was pointed out to me once that the the problem is we don't often know what people are thinking. So what mm. we're really afraid of is we're afraid of what we think people are thinking. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's a, and when you put it like that, it sounds so absurd and so ridiculous. But mm. how many of us that controls our relationships? This fear of this thing we've created in our head. Oh, totally, um, and and like not just uh, affecting our relationships, but like the way that we live, like the way that we act, like it's that fear and relationships with people like affects everything. Because I mean, I know the times that I've done something differently um, because I'm worried that what someone's going to think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Fear becomes this, this, this this huge aspect of our relationships and then we spend our time sort of running away from people or hiding from people and yeah. hiding from yeah. God and, and that's um not how they were supposed to be and you did also mention something else that happens is that suddenly um 
relationships become a source of blame we mm. can blame relation we can blame people so in in the story in genesis uh it's an interesting sort of chain of events um i, I don't know if you've got genesis 3 there but mm-hmm. verses 12 to 13 do you have those yeah i do um the man said the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Oh, I've switched versions. I'm now reading from the ESV. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, uh, let me read that again. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So it's interesting that when God says what's going on here, both Adam and Eve essentially say it's someone else's fault mm. it's not my fault yeah because um, adam's blaming god isn't he to start off yeah with. Like, that's you gave right. me this woman yeah, like. yeah adam kind of is just i don't know i can so identify with this panic <laughs> looking at who can i blame I, <laughs> yeah. if i play my cards right i can blame everyone except <laughs> yeah. me not just He's eve like, but i can blame you too god because you mm. this woman you gave that you put yeah. her in god she she led me astray and then Eve, of course, says, well, no, it was the serpent. He deceived me. And so, again, as relationships, instead of being this, this source of security and uh, significance and happiness and fulfilment that they were supposed to be, this idea of being totally accepted by God and by other people, suddenly people become tools, in a sense, we can use to shift guilt and shift responsibility and um the relationships become you know people become how can i use this person to make myself feel better Mm. so in this story it's you know it's their fault it's not my fault there's nothing wrong with me i didn't it's not these it's their fault it's someone else's fault uh and then in other other forms it is simply you know relationships are about what can I get from this person that makes me feel better about myself how can I cope with what I don't like about myself or how can I get rid of these negative emotions I feel by using other people purely as a a tool a way of getting rid of these negative emotions I have so so relationships become uh, quite selfish absolutely selfish element to them that's a good good observation good way of putting it that instead of a life where we're looking to fulfill others we look Mm. to others to fulfill us and we kind of in some at our worst we don't really care what it costs them or what damage is done to them or or about them at all as long as we get what we need from the relationship but at the same time as acknowledging that in a good healthy relationship it you will be receiving things from the other person because I guess like what we we're talking about to start with that relate we are made to be in relationships we need relationships and yeah. we do get fulfillment in relationships but at some yeah. point this goes too far and it yeah it just solely becomes selfish that's right I, I think that's that's absolutely it I mean, that kind of is a good way of, of bringing all this together, is that the, the truth is you can't say, well, because my relationships are bad, so 
let's not have any relationships and then no mm. one will get hurt because we were actually made for relationships. That's what makes it so difficult. And I think even someone like me, who's quite a strong introvert and loves peace and quiet and, uh, at times you know i'm sure i'll talk about this at length at various times during these sessions in the podcast you know feel like oh, if it was just me and god the world i'll be so much happier and the world be so much better the reality is that's not true i need people and my life is richer because of there are other people in it and that's normal you know relationships are a part of who god is and being made in the image of god it's it's inescapable that relationships form a key part of our identity uh, and who we are and what we need. Now, there are, what happened is the fall breaks or damages is perhaps maybe a better way to think of it, our relationships or our capacity of relationships. It damages our this relationship with God. Suddenly we don't want intimacy with God anymore. It damages our relationships with each other. We're afraid and embarrassed and nervous and people become things we can blame or use to make ourselves feel better, and we manage our relationships badly. But none of that takes away from the fact that we need those relationships. And although these things are damaged, the whole point of the gospel is, look, God's done something about this. Relationships can once again become this, this thing, what you're talking about, this good, healthy thing. Um, the capacity for relationships to be healthy and and contribute and be a source of acceptance and significance is still there because um, the image of God is not destroyed in us. It's just damaged, it's tarnished, it's distorted, but it's not totally gone in any human being. And I'm sure uh, this is one of the things to be aware of. I'm sure there are, you might know in your life, people who are not Christians who maybe have no idea, may not uh, have any thoughts about God or maybe atheists or whatever, who still manage to model how to do relationships well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and the reason will be because um, they kept whether they would, they wouldn't put it in these terms or whether they would think in these terms, they have captured the essence of what God meant relationships to be in terms of they are about, fulfillment for both parties they're about acceptance you uh, it's possible to have a relationship that's one-sided where you think this is all about this person must accept me and you you may have been in relationships with that you may have relationships like that you may experience relationships like that but what god's idea of relationships is adam and eve were naked and unashamed because they were accepted by each other. It's not just that one of them was naked, you know, because it was a one-way thing. They both were sort of accepted and fulfilled by one another. And so uh, we'll probably, I, I think there are a few other sessions in these podcasts that where I explore some of these topics more. But part of the gospel, I think part of the the. The, one of the things that the gospel does is it restores this image of God in people, this ability and this capacity and this understanding for um, having good relationships with one another. One of the things Paul does in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, he taught, he one of the, the phrases he uses to describe the gospel, he says this is the ministry of reconciliation. 
Mm. Uh, At the heart of the gospel is this idea of reconciliation. And now one of the traditionally we've talked about this in terms of our relationship with God, you know, Jesus and his death and his resurrection enable us to be reconciled to God, which is true. But when Paul's writing, he's writing to divided churches often. And his understanding is, look, the gospel reconciles us to one another as well, not just to God, but it restores our relationships with each other. Mm. And actually, um, because I've been reading quite a lot of T Corinthians recently, and um, it's a really, if you read the letter from start to finish, it's really interesting, because obviously he's writing into this context of there's been conflict between him and the church. And so it's a really interesting study of how relationships, even amongst Christians, can go so badly wrong, and yet how we can show grace and repair those relationships, how we can love one another. So um, I'd really recommend, yeah, reading the the whole of that letter as, and looking for, for those uh, those moments of reconciliation. That's, that's a really it. good suggestion, actually. Yeah, that, I mean, that's mm. a good, that's a really good idea is because uh, you can often find, particularly Paul, Paul seemed to uh, agitate a lot of people as he went, <laughs> uh, went through life. Um, both you can read about it in Acts, but also his letters, there's often... Um, he has to deal with issues in relationships with people, either between people in the church or his his relationships with people. And uh, that's that's a really good idea is maybe, yeah, if you want to try something different, maybe read some of the New Testament letters thinking specifically, what does this say or what's modelled here in terms of our relationships with one another? Uh, I think in Ephesians 2, um Paul stresses that Christ's mission is not just reconciling us to God, it's reconciling us to one another, that this is what it means. The gospel is about restoring the image of God in us to this state where we're freed from this negativity that the fall poisoned our relationships with, and we can get back, we can take steps to getting back to this place of being provided for and accepted by God, but also freeing up our relationships to be about accepting one another. Um, and it can be really hard. And I, th- I, yeah, I think we'll talk. We will talk. I, I've, I know I do a few sessions on relationships in these podcasts, but the heart of the gospel is that every time we. Um, sort of work towards relationships being a source of goodness for us and just as importantly for others, we're actually taking steps towards restoring the image of God in ourselves and others. And I think uh, that's why I think this idea of being made in the image of God, being relational, these two things are intertwined so fundamentally even more i would say than than some of the things we traditionally think of as being made in the image of god like our capacity for reason and all those kind of things which are there but i i think genesis indicates that relationships are actually one of the fundamental things about being made in the image of god which is why the the language of genesis talks about the relationships and why the relationships are one of the first things or the first thing to suffer as a result of our disobedience. So, and that's, I suppose I feel like that's maybe where I want to leave us 
today. I don't know if you have any questions, Nicole. Um, I I do have one question actually, and it's it's going to slightly spoil the beautiful flow of uh, the podcast because I want to just go back a second um, and think back to when you said about um, yeah Adam being created and everything being good, but the thing that wasn't good that he, is that he needed he needed someone he needed relationship and I was just wondering if that is the case are there aspects of of human relationship then that God is yeah that is different from our relationship with God with God like does he choose not to relate to us in the same way as humans in some respect yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. I think the, the obvious one is there's obviously a physical dimension to our relationships with one another, yeah. which is lacking. And uh, obviously in the example of Adam and Eve, you've got that marital relationship. Mm. Um, but I think, I, I think again, this is, as, as you, you've skillfully steered us off topic. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel like this is one of the things I happen to, to think is that one of the things God does is he delegates to you and I, Mm. that kind of physical responsibility it's kind of saying like James you are my hands my feet uh, if you're a follower of Jesus if you're if you want to serve God one of the things God does is says right well I'm giving you re- the sort of responsibility to 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 be me physically if I can put mm. it that way so um I God doesn't physically hug people um really but I think there are times where he says no, because that's what I want you to be to one another. I want you to be my physical expression of love um, and acceptance and and things like that. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's a deliberate decision on God's part to kind of delegate some of those, those aspects of relating to us. Because um, I think, yeah, I mean, just thinking as we're going here, but uh it wouldn't surprise me if this is, you know, God thinks, well, if I can do everything, which mm. I could, then there is no need for these relationships with one another. But just as God kind of isn't, you know, God is triune. There's, there's this, this three relationships. It's like God saying, it's not enough for you to just have one relationship. You need more relationships. And for you to have more relationships, I have to step back from meeting some of those needs in order to give those other relationships a reason to be does that make sense yeah it does I was I was wondering if yeah I was wondering something similar myself so it's it's a relief to hear you say it just in case it was heretical off the top of my head I don't think it's heretical but you know if you're listening to this podcast you can get used to this sort of making things up as we go along or pondering these questions as we go along and hopefully it will stimulate some thought and discussion amongst you, you the the listeners as well but yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say yeah thank you so much for exploring this topic I've I found it so interesting um and I know that when I first started to think as of God as um yeah like uh, having relationships like amongst himself like as as a triune god um it really challenged my way of thinking about him that actually (laughs) at a fundamental level he is he is love because he is 
just always in relationship and exactly we yeah should, we should try and um reflect that and um yeah mirror that I guess yeah it's quite interesting that that's one of the the few kind of that well-known uh, verse in in one John God is love is one of the mm. few times where it's you know it's not God is loving which is mm. that's something I said is you know it's God is love it's very rare for God to be described as something he's often described you know he's merciful he's just all these things but he's not often described as mercy or God is justice but he is described you know God is love which I think yeah absolutely is is one of these these uh ways these signposts in the Bible that actually this idea of relationship and being relational and and this whole idea of loving relationships is is not just something that God approves of it is something he is fantastic well I think that's a great place to to land so thank you so much James um thanks everyone for listening uh, along hope you have a wonderful rest of your day whatever you're doing uh yeah god bless